When you're wondering what God's will is or how you should pray, there's someone willing and able to help, as Pastor Ed Taylor explains. Believers, we don't always know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Not only does the Holy Spirit help us, but Jesus helps us too. Jesus helps us as he's standing at the right hand of the Father interceding. The Holy Spirit is also interceding. And isn't God good? He's got us completely covered. Not only does, do we have Jesus in heaven interceding, but we have the Holy Spirit here on earth interceding as well so that our prayers will be prayed in the will of God. This is amazing grace. See if this sounds familiar. You've got a really big decision in front of you and you want God's will, but you aren't sure what that is. Or someone comes up to you and asks for prayer, but doesn't really share specifics. How do you pray? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover how the Holy Spirit and Jesus are there for us at such times, willing to help and guide us. It doesn't get any better than that. So let's be encouraged by this wonderful promise that there's hope and help with our prayers. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in Romans chapter 8 and verses 24 through 27. Not only does he help us, but verse 26 of chapter 14 in John's gospel, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach us believers all things. He'll teach us. The Spirit is our teacher. Not only will he teach us, but he'll also bring to our remembrance the things that we've been taught. That's good for those of you that have bad memories. It's like, I don't remember anything. I know the verse sounds like this. I don't know the address. I'm just going to tell it to you. And the Holy Spirit helped you remember that. Things that you've been taught. Especially in a fellowship such as ours, where there's Bible study after Bible study, it's hard to absorb everything. But as you're eagerly receiving it, looking in the Scriptures, jotting down the notes, the Holy Spirit will use them and bring them to your remembrance when you need them most. Also, the Holy Spirit in chapter 15, verse 26 of John's gospel, Jesus says that the Spirit will testify of me. And so we can see that any true move, any true work of the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus Christ. Any true move of the Holy Spirit will not draw attention to man, will not draw attention to a church, will not draw attention to a move, but will draw attention to Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit's ministry. In chapter 16, verse 8, it says that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He convinces people of sin. And then in chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, believers, will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity, who's sent alongside to help and empower us in our Christian life. He dwells with you. He dwells in you, believer. And Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and the weakness that he helps us in is in our prayer life because that's a weakness for us. It's a weakness in our prayer life because we don't always know what we should pray for. Now, in verse 26, you can circle the word helps there and if you can find room in your margin, what that word means literally is to help someone carry a heavy burden. 
It's sort of like that Costco illustration, isn't it? You only went in for milk, but you came with six boxes full of stuff, and you need help carrying it into the house. You're like, I can't carry all this stuff. And you call the kids out, come and get all the stuff, because it's such a heavy burden. In the spiritual realm, you and I, we carry burdens on our shoulders, things that are going on, great hurts, great pains, great difficulties, great heavy decisions. We carry stuff in our, in our lives that we need. Well, flip over to Galatians chapter 6. Let me show you how Paul describes it. That word helps. The Holy Spirit helps us with our burdens. He helps us to ease our burdens. Look at Galatians chapter 6, because this is what it looks like with believers. So we have the Holy Spirit that helps us, but we're also in a fellowship family where we're able to help one another as well. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, we're given insight on responsibilities that God has given us in the body of Jesus Christ. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so our eyes are always open. How can I help? How can I come alongside to help? He says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens. The word burden there is a heavy burden. It's something that can't be bare and born alone. It, you need help to carry it. So bear, help one another. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. There's a balance. Yes, in our lives, we're all to carry our own load. We're all to carry, we're not to place, overly place our burdens on other people. We're to carry our own load. We're to pull our own weight. But at the same time, there are times in our lives when we carry heavy burdens that God will then send spiritual men and women into your life to help you carry those burdens. And so not only do we have people within the body of Christ to help us, but back in Romans chapter 8, we have the Spirit of God that helps us to carry a burden, to help with the pain, to carry with and help and strengthen through the weight of it all because we groan on this earth. And we groan for a variety of reasons and a variety of things. And one weakness in our lives is prayer. Prayer is such a wonderful tool that God has given believers that we can travel around the world through our prayer life. And here we are in Aurora, but as we pray, God hears our prayers, and we can intercede for our missionaries in Turkey. We can intercede for our friends in the Philippines. We can intercede for Bibles that go out. We can be men and women of prayer, and God will hear and honor our prayers. It's an amazing tool that God has given us. We have the privilege of talking with God, and God has promised to answer us. Listen to this. Jot it down. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 9 says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. That's a promise from God. In Psalm 91, verse 15, listen. Psalm 91, verse 15. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver and honor him. Prayer's powerful. But even though we're physically here in Aurora and our prayers go up to heaven, there are times in our prayer lives where we don't know how to pray. We don't know the will of God. And because we don't know the will of God, we pray, well, we pray according to what we think the will of God is, and it may or may not be right. We don't always know the will of God. And you say, okay, Ed, are you saying really that all of us in this room don't always know the will of God, or are you including yourself? Are you saying that you don't always know the will of God? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I don't always know the will of God. I don't always have clarity on it. And that might shock and surprise some of you. You go, hey, wait a minute, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know the will of God. 
Well, I'll tell you, when I don't know the will of God, I pray to know the will of God. I pray, I want to hear from heaven. But I don't always know. I don't always have a line exactly of what God has. The Bible is not clear on the matter or it's a situation where we're just waiting for clarification, waiting for direction. I mean, let's say, let's put it in a context. Let's say that, that you come to me or you come to someone up here in the prayer team, you come to us and you say, well, I just lost my job today. Will you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. But I'm not exactly sure how I should pray for you. I mean, I'm sure you're expecting me to pray that you might get a job really, really quickly that makes more money and less work and a better boss. I'm sure that's what you're expecting. And that just may be the will of God, you know? It's like, okay, let's pray. I'm sorry you lost your job. It's a bummer. You, you need a job tomorrow, so hook it up and, and get a raise and have a great place. And it's great. I want to pray that way. But what if, what if God's will really is, and he really wants us to pray that you have strength for the next six months because you're not going to have a job for the next six months. You're going to be waiting and you're going to be struggling and you're going to be going through things. And in about month two, God has in his mind a time where you're going to finally cry out to him and trust him and hold on to him and learn that you're not going to have any savings anymore because you've been trusting in that savings and you've been trusting in that job. And actually what God really wants me to pray is for strength in your life because the next six months are going to be heavy. Because God wants to use this loss of job in your life. What if that's the will of God? And you're like, I hope it's not the will of God, but what if it is? What if he's going to use your job situation to humble you and to teach you and to grow you? You know, what if? You come to me and say, oh, pastor, I used to make six figures. I made $150,000, and now I'm only making $20,000 a month. Or a month would be good. A year... <laughs> like, yeah, I want you to pray for me, Ed. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, what if you're making all this money and now you're not making anything and your prayer, your desire is, I need to make more money, but God's desire is, I want you to learn, son, how it is to live on $20,000 a year. And you're like, oh, Lord. You see, we don't always know how to pray. We don't always know what God is doing. We may have a desire you know, we might, we might have this, this desire to go in a certain direction, to do a certain thing, but we don't always know what we ought to pray for. We don't always know. We don't always understand what it is. See, the purpose of prayer is to get the will of God done here on earth. It's not to get the will of man done in heaven. God hasn't become some cosmic puppet now, as some teachers might propose, that he just does what we tell him to do. And we can just name it and claim it and we can just do whatever. You know, God, you are bound by me. No, God's not bound by me. I'm bound by him. He's the ruler of my life. He's the one that rescued me when I had no help. He's the one that is in control. Of my, he's the one that gave his only begotten son. He's the one that gave his son for you. Some of you are thinking, gave his son for me? Gave his son, what do you mean by that? Well, listen, humanity... Men and women are separated from God because of, the Bible calls it sin. None of us are perfectly righteous, none. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and so we're all in that category. There's a distance between man and God, and the gap is this sinful action, this sinful life, these sinful things that have broken the heart of God. And because there's such a great distance between man and God, his heart, God's heart, breaks. And the Bible tells us that he so loved the people in this world. He so loved you. 
that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to live and to die and to rise again in a perfect human body. Here's the God of all the universe taking residence in a human body, living a perfect life, a life of love and service, a life of grace and mercy, a life that ended in tragedy and a horrible crucifixion. When they put Jesus Christ into that tomb, all thought it was over. There's no hope. He said he was the Messiah, which is the Old Testament way of saying the Savior. You know, Savior speaks of us needing to be saved. And we do, all of us, need to be saved from our sins. Because if we're not saved from our sins, then we will die in those sins. And the price, the wages of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God forever. And if you find yourself in this place today not having a relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ, then in a few moments you're going to have an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit, what God has been doing in your life, convicting you of sin. That he so loved you, he sent the Holy Spirit into this world to convict you and to convict you of sin and convince you you need a Savior. And if you'll cry out to Jesus today, see, Jesus, he was put into that tomb, but he didn't stay there. He rose again the third day to prove Jesus is alive today, right now, calling you to account for your life, calling you to account through the Holy Spirit to deal with your sin by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that? And believers, we don't always know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Not only does the Holy Spirit help us, but Jesus helps us too. Jesus helps us as he's standing at the right hand of the Father interceding. The Holy Spirit is also interceding. And isn't God good? He's got us completely covered. Not only does, do we have Jesus in heaven interceding, but we have the Holy Spirit here on earth interceding as well so that our prayers will be prayed in the will of God. Now, back in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says that we don't know how, we, how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with these groanings that cannot be uttered. And there are different views of what these groanings are. I'll give you two of them, and you can chew on them for yourself. Some people would come to this passage and say, these are the groanings of the Holy Spirit internally in the believer's life. That there's that sense inside you just don't know what to say, and you groan internally. They, they don't really come from the mouth, but they're internal. The Spirit understands the mind of the Father, and there's this communication between the Spirit and the Father, and it comes through these groanings. Because notice verse 27, it says, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so some would say that these groanings are internal, and that would certainly be a very good interpretation of this passage. For sure, it fits. But there's a second view of this, and that is that these groanings are actually external. And that this verse 26 is a reference to the spiritual gift of tongues taught in 1 Corinthians 14. Would you turn there with me? When we get to 1 Corinthians as a church, we'll go into depth in these things. But some would say that these groanings could be a reference to the gift of tongues. This prayer language that's been given to some believers, not all believers, that is a part of communication with God. Now, I know there are churches out there that say, oh, the gift of tongues, it's been very confusing and people are all messed up over it. And, and there's some on one extreme that say, well, you know, the manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you're really in God, you're going to speak in tongues. But Paul says not everybody speaks in tongues. Paul's very clear on that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as we get a definition of what tongues looks like. And some would say in Romans 8 that, that this is a reference to that very gift. In verse 1 of chapter 14, it says, 
pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. And here's the definition. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And all this goofiness that you might see on TV where you've got pastors and teachers talking to each other in tongues and, and there's this one clip they were always showing on TV where there's a guy over here going blah, 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 blah and there's a guy over here going blah and they're talking back with one another and goofing off but that is unbiblical. Absolutely 100% unbiblical. If there is not an interpretation for the gift and the exercise of speaking in tongues then it is not to be used. Truly from our perspective as a fellowship we believe it is a personal prayer language and therefore we do not see it being exercised within the body in the Bible study like this. We, we say, no, use it in your prayer time. Notice, turn over to first, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. These groanings could very well be that internal prompting of the believer's heart that come out in an unknown spiritual language that God inspires in a person. Look at verse 14. He says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is the result then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of uninformed say amen? Right? Because it's the communication from man to God. Nobody else is understanding it. Unless perhaps there's somebody with the gift of interpretation in the body. He says that you're giving a thanks since he does not understand what you say. Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now, verse 18. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. There is biblical order in God's word. And as a fellowship, we strive to stay within that order. So it could be internal. And if you fall in that camp, fantastic. It could be external. And if that's where you're coming from, fantastic. But understand the emphasis is not in the groanings. It's very easy to emphasize the wrong thing in a verse. The emphasis is not in the groanings here. The emphasis is in the help of the Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. And we need help. The key in prayer is that our Father in Heaven has given us His Spirit to help us. He knows what's in our hearts. He searches our hearts. And that as the work of God is done in and through us, there is that groaning of intercession in our lives. That groaning of how the Lord would use our prayer time. And it's such a blessing when you and I find that we have been praying according to the will of God. Isn't it great when you see a prayer answered just the way you saw it? Because that was the Holy Spirit just kind of helping you see it. And it wasn't your will. You weren't trying to manipulate things. You just got this sense, I need to pray this way. And then God comes through. It is such a blessing. And let me just say this. Marie and I appreciate your prayers for us. We so appreciate your consistent, continual covering of our lives and our family in prayer. Some of you pray for us daily. Thank you. Some of you pray for us weekly or monthly or in different areas of your life, and we so appreciate. We need your prayers. We thank you for them. We covet them. We need prayers. We know that many of you are often on your knees praying for us, and you don't even know why. 
You're not even sure why. You'll be woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning and God impresses you. You need to pray for Pastor Ed. And it just so happens that Pastor Ed is up at 3 o'clock in the morning wrestling with something. And it was your prayer that God put it all together and I can go back to bed. Thank you. As a pastor, I have so many responsibilities that are shared among the leadership and among the elders and the assistant pastors and and so many things that are going on. And it's your prayers that strengthen us and grow us in seeking His will for the life of the body. Some decisions that are made are very, very easy and wonderful. Some decisions that are made are very, very difficult and and, and they're just, we know how hard it is, but your prayers are so wonderful. Don't stop praying for us and for our kids, and for our family. You see, great men and women of God have always been and continue to be men and women of prayer. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora and download that today. We've been blessed in recent months by the large volume of people who have called or written to let us know that they listen and how God is doing a great work through the teaching of His Word. We're so thankful to God for this. And if you'd like to share your story, please email us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We really do want to hear from you. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can help you become a man or woman that God uses. It was written by the late Pastor Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck observed 14 characteristics found in many of the people God used in the past that we read about in the Scriptures. The cool thing is, if these characteristics are found in you, well, you'll become a person God uses too. Request a copy of The Man God Uses when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, many of our listeners are dealing with fears and anxiety right now with all that's going on in our world. Can you share a resource or two that might be helpful? You know, Larry, I taught a Bible study uh, entitled Tackling the Monster of Worry, and it's in the passage of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, where we're told to be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And I would encourage you to download our free app or go to our website. Our website's at calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, or go to our app. Just download our app on the App Store and put in the word worry, and the Bible study will pop up in the search bar. And I'd encourage you to listen to that. And, you know, there are a lot of great resources on worry and anxiety, but here's my suggestion. My suggestion is that we go back to the basics of our walk with Jesus Christ. And what are the basics? But that we read and pray every day, and that you make a concerted effort to go back into the Bible. And you might ask, well, where do I read? Well, let me give you a few places. Number one, stay in the first four books of the New Testament— They're called the Gospels. And just spend some time with Jesus, following his life and his ministry, enjoying his presence, enjoying how he handled things. And just let the Holy Spirit encourage you. You spend a lot of time in the Psalms so that you can have in you developed a worshipful heart. 
and then spend some time in the Proverbs so that you can learn the wisdom of God and get your mind off of your worry and anxiety and get your mind back on the Lord. And be in prayer. Develop. This is a great time with all the uh, wildness that's around us. This is a great time to obey what the Bible says. God says in Isaiah 26.3, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. And so the very commands of God are the enablements of God through the power of his Holy Spirit. And I know it's a tough time. Uh, I join you. It's tough for me, too, in many areas. Uh, it's tough in, in my own heart and mind, but I'm learning through difficulty after difficulty to surrender my life to Jesus and to trust him, living by faith. And friend, you can do it. I can do it. We can do it as we abide in Christ and he abides in us. God bless you. Get back to the basics. I love that. Read the Bible and pray every day. Spend time with Jesus. Again, if you'd like to hear Pastor Ed's message, Tackling the Monster of Worry, just visit calvaryco.church. We'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Romans and join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor as there's so much more to come. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.